my name is Ali, and uh, it's great to be here. Um, I don't know if it was said already, but um, we may not have Finney. If it was said, I was switched off. Finney from India. Uh, but I'm his, I'm, <laughs> I'm his replacement. Well, it said, I'm his replacement. So, uh, uh, yeah, you'll have to put up with that. Um, I, I don't know. If, this might be from India. I can't remember where this shirt's from. It's either India or Africa. So, um, but I can't change the color of my skin. So that's... Right. Uh, if you want to turn to chat, <laughs> 2 Corinthians, we're, we're going to be looking at 2 Corinthians this morning. 2 Corinthians chapter 4. There we are on the screen. We do not lose heart. That's the title for this morning. So 2 Corinthians chapter 4. And we'll read the whole chapter. We'll probably read the first verse of chapter 5 as well, because it's a good verse. Therefore, having this ministry by the mercy of God, we do not lose heart. But we have renounced disgraceful, underhanded ways. We refuse to practice cunning or to tamper with God's words. But by the open statement of the truth, we would commend ourselves to everyone's conscience in the sight of God. And even if our gospel is veiled, it is veiled to those who are perishing. In their case, the God of this world has blinded the minds of the unbelievers to keep them from seeing the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ, who is the image of God. For what we proclaim is not ourselves, but Jesus Christ as Lord, with ourselves as your servants for Jesus' sake. For God, who said, let let light shine out of darkness, has shone in our hearts to give us the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. But we have this treasure in jars of clay to show that the surpassing power belongs to God and not to us. We're afflicted in every way, but not crushed, perplexed, but not driven to despair, persecuted, but not forsaken, struck down, but not destroyed, always carrying in the body the death of Jesus so that the life of Jesus may also be manifested in our bodies. For we who live are always being given over to death for Jesus' sake, so that the life of Jesus also may be manifested in our mortal flesh. So death is at work in us, but life in you. Since we have the same spirit of faith, according to what has been written, I believe and so I spoke, we also believe, so we also speak, knowing that he who raised the Lord Jesus will raise us also with Jesus and bring us with you into his presence. For it is all for your sake, so that as grace extends to more and more people, it may increase thanksgiving to the glory of God. So we do not lose heart. Though the outer self is wasting away, our inner self is being renewed day by day. For this light, momentary affliction is preparing for us an eternal weight of glory beyond all comparison. As we look not to the things that are seen, but to the things that are unseen. For the things that are seen are transient, but the things that are unseen are eternal. For we know that if the tent that is our earthly home is destroyed, we have a building from God. A house not made with hands, eternal in the heavens. Hallelujah. Lord God, thank you so much for your word. Thank you that it's powerful. Thank you that you're with us this morning. And Lord, we pray, Holy Spirit, that you would breathe upon us as your word uh, comes forth. Would Holy Spirit, would you do something in our hearts? Would you captivate us? Would you propel us forward individually and as a church into your great purposes in Jesus' name? Amen. 
Amen. Right, let's check this works. In the film Braveheart, William Wallace uh, leads a Scottish rebellion against the English. And it all comes to a head at Falkirk. The Scottish nobility withdraw from the battle. And a furious William, William Wallace, knowing that the battle is lost, chases after uh, uh, an, an English knight who has a helmet on, a mysterious English knight. He yanks off the helmet and discovers that the man under the helmet is Robert the Bruce, a Scottish uh, noble who has been on William Wallace's side and now has betrayed him. And there's a powerful scene, a very powerful scene, where... Uh, Robert, uh, Robert the Bruce goes to his father full of regret, full of guilt at his betrayal. And his dad says to him, all men betray. All men lose heart. And his response to his dad is, I don't want to lose heart. I want to believe as he does. I don't want to lose heart. I want to believe, as he does. And that line sums up the message this morning. We don't want to lose heart. You didn't come here this morning wanting to lose heart. You wanted to come, presumably, come this morning want to be, wanting to be re-energised, full of passion, full of expectation, full of faith. And I believe God, by his spirit this morning, wants to do a work in us, which, is, which brings fresh faith, fresh expectation in the purposes of God for you and for your life and for this church. There are people here this morning who come having lost heart. You've lost heart in your walk with God. You've lost heart because of all sorts of life circumstances. Life is tough and it's battered you. And you've come and you've lost heart. And God wants to re-energize you. He wants to put some passion back in you this morning. Do you want that? A few of you do. Uh, Hopefully you notice that as we read that passage twice, Paul says, we do not lose heart. And uh, verse 1 and verse 16. In verse 16, he goes on to say, we do not lose heart, though our outer self is wasting away, our inner self is being renewed day by day. That's what we want, inner renewal. Like We want a renewal of passion, a renewal of faith, a renewal of joy, a renewal of hope day by day. We don't want to lose heart. Paul, out of all people, was someone who could well have lost heart. He was a man who was shipwrecked, he was whipped, he was flogged, he was imprisoned. He had all sorts of stuff going on in his life. And he says, we do not lose heart. I think that's amazing. On the contrary, verse 13, he says, since we have the same spirit of faith. According to what has been written, I believed and so I spoke. We also believe and so we also speak. He has this spirit of faith. He's referring back to a psalm there. He said, we have the same spirit of faith as the psalmist had. God wants to replace a spirit of despair, a spirit of losing heart with a spirit of faith this morning. I want to be a man of faith. I want, it, I want my faith to be infectious. I want the love and the power and the goodness of Jesus to be known through my life because I haven't lost heart, but I'm just full of all, the, all hope and expectation in what he is going to do in me. And as we go into this week, um, 
Uh, hopefully you you came this morning expectant, ready for the weekend. Or Thursday, Friday, Saturday. I keep getting the wrong nights. Thursday, Friday, Saturday night. As we gather here and we're and we're and we're seeking God and we're hearing Tyro preach the gospel and we're praying for people. We're praying for miracles in people's lives. We're praying for the sick. Bring your friends if you have non-Christian friends who who are who who might be interested in something like hearing the gospel and praying for the sick. I know that's a, probably a certain level of friendship and, and conversation they might have had already for them to come. But if you've got people like that, bring them along because we're expecting that God is going to save, even on Thursday night. He can do it on Thursday nights. It's great. And, uh, <laughs> and we're expecting that he's going to do something. I'd, if you're not expecting, then I've, I think you've lost heart. And hopefully as we go through this passage, you'll see why we should be expectant, why Paul was expectant. He hadn't lost heart because he believes stuff. He really, believe, he really believes stuff that he's writing about. So Paul had this ministry, it says in verse 1, by the mercy of God. It was a privileged ministry. He was a persecutor of the church. God had turned his life around and now he says, I have this ministry by the mercy of God. What was his ministry? It was to go around, travelling around, preaching the gospel, planting churches, strengthening churches, seeing lives transformed. And you might say, I'm not an apostle. I'm not, I don't go travel around planting churches, preaching the gospel, seeing lives transformed. Okay, we're not all apostles and none of us will be like the Apostle Paul. He had a unique ministry. But we all do have uh, parallel ministries. We all do have a ministry from God which involves seeing lives transformed by the power of the spirit and the power of the gospel. Every single Christian, you're enlisted in that. You're enlisted in the army of God and that is part of the mission to see lives transformed. And so we, and so the stuff that he writes, although in one sense it's unique to him, in another sense all of the principles apply to us today. They really do. We have a ministry by the mercy of God. It is a privilege to participate in this ministry. And he specifies two things in this passage that can cause us to lose heart. And we're just going to look at them. Um, there we go. Uh, the first is the weakness of the message. And the second is the weakness of the messenger. So there we go. Uh, hopefully that will stick in your mind. The weakness of the message, verses 1 to 6. You know, the gospel isn't a complicated message, is it? It's not, it's not great philosophy. It's not like this kind of uh, thing that you need to have, you know, the mind of John or Chris to really get your heads around it, to really understand it. No, the gospel, it is in some ways, it is incredibly complicated because it can become, it's very deep and, very, and there's endless things to look at in it. But at his heart, it's so, so simple. Jesus loves you. Jesus died for you. Jesus rose again. We can, we can all share that. We can all believe it. We can all pass it on to others. And Paul says in verse 5, where are we? Verse 5, what we proclaim is not ourselves, but Jesus Christ as Lord. That's what he says. That's what we proclaim. Jesus Christ as Lord. Elsewhere in 1 Corinthians, he talks about how they proclaim Christ crucified, which really is, is part and parcel of the same thing. To say Jesus is Lord is to say that who he is, is to say who he is, he's Lord, but he's also the one who died and rose again and conquered sin for, for you. That's the message. It sounds foolish. Doesn't it sound really foolish? Paul knew that. He says that in 1 Corinthians as well. It's foolish. <laughs> Humanly, it's absolutely ridiculous. And it's, people are offended by it and it's like a stumbling block to some people. It's just, I mean, just actually think about it. We believe that God, the creator of the universe, became a baby. That is weird. 
and a baby grew up and died on a was not just died he was he was murdered on a roman cross that god was murdered in some way as a human being god was murdered on a cross and then three days later he rose again and now he's seated in heaven in all authority and power that is a crazy message to believe but we believe it if we're christians here which the majority of us will be we believe it so why do we believe it because God has done something in your heart. It's not because suddenly you've had, um, you've, you've finally got your head around all the arguments. And, you know, you don't become a Christian by hearing more and more arguments and getting your head around the arguments. You become a Christian by revelation from God. And if you're a Christian here this morning, it's because God has revealed himself to you. He's revealed this message to you. And now the eyes of faith have come and you see it. It's like... It doesn't mean we don't have doubts. I struggle with doubt. Every single person struggles with doubt from time to time. But at its core, there is this faith that has come, which gives us new eyes to see it differently. And so that's, again, what he says. Uh, when you go away from your notes, you lose your place, which isn't very helpful. But um, he says, verse five, verse, yeah, verse 5, we just read. Verse 6, for God... Who said, let light shine out of darkness has shone in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. What's he doing there? He's going back to creation. Genesis chapter 1, verse 2. And darkness was over the face of the deep. There was darkness. Before anything existed, there was darkness. And then God spoke and he said, let there be light. And there was light. And God is, and Paul is saying that in the same way, someone who's not a believer, it's like darkness is over their life. They can't make the light come by believing more arguments and hearing more stuff and looking more at the science and all the rest of it. But God says, let there be light. And light comes. And a blaze of light penetrates the deepest darkness in a human life. That's what happens. It's like light comes and it's ablaze. And this life comes ablaze with the light of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. Because actually, as we speak of Jesus, that's what he says. As we talk about Jesus, the glory of God is revealed by the Holy Spirit to someone. It's not, it's not, it's just Jesus. Not just Jesus, because Jesus is the image of God. He is the manifestation of the glory of God. There isn't something more. It's not Jesus plus. Jesus, but also do, just speak of Jesus. Just speak of who he is, speak of his death and resurrection, and speak of what he has done in your life. Start with what he's done in your life, as that's sometimes the easier. And then as someone gets a bit interested, then... Now, don't get me wrong, I'm not like a pro-evangelist at all. And I struggle with this. This is challenging. But as we are trying to invest in various relationships with people who aren't yet believers, which we should all be trying to do, we need to be praying and seeking these opportunities. And when they come, go for it. If we're not going for it, do we truly believe the gospel has power to save? Paul did. I am not ashamed of the gospel because it's the power of God. It is the power of God for the salvation of all who believe. Do we really believe it? Because that is the reason why we will not lose heart. Because I don't know about you, but sometimes, well, Paul says himself here that in verse 3, that the gospel, that people's hearts seem to be veiled. It's like there's a veil over people's lives and, and the God of this world has has is over them and that's why this revelation needs to come because it's a spiritual thing not a rational thing but we, we're against the flow 
it's no different today than it was in Paul's day. We are seriously against the flow of the culture in believing this stuff. We're a minority voice. In your workplace, in your school, in your university, in your different, I mean, Durham University is slightly unique, but still in terms of the number of Christians. But, but even still, like in, you're still, still a minority voice. And you may be the only Christian in that context that you're in, or your family even for some of us. It's hard. It's easy to lose heart thinking, well, I'm, I've shared the gospel a few times. No one really seems to be interested. Everyone's so ignorant. No one really cares. Everyone's got too many other things to worry about. They're worried about their stuff in this life. No one really cares. And we can lose heart and think, well, is, it really, is there really any point in sharing this message? And I believe God would want to say to us this morning, do not lose heart. Because there is power in this message. As the message of Jesus is spoken, light can shine in the darkness and revelation can come and people's lives can be turned upside down by the gospel. Do we believe it? I really want to believe it more. And I pray God would do it in me even more this morning and in all of us. Paul believed it. That's why he spoke this stuff. In Acts 18 verses 9 and 10. We read this story, which is really powerful on this theme. The Lord said to Paul, he's in Corinth, ironically, uh, the same, same place where he wrote this letter to. And the Lord said to Paul one night in a vision, do not be afraid, but go on speaking and do not be silent. For I am with you and no one will attack you to harm you. For I have many in this city who are my people. Do not be afraid. Do not be silent. But go on speaking this message of Jesus, because God has many people that he's placed around us who are his people, who he's, call, who he's calling to him. And he wants to use you and me as his mouthpiece to share this message. Do not lose heart because of the weakness of the message. It seems weak, but it's incredibly powerful. God has chosen to inhabit this message with his almighty power. <laughs> this, you might, it's, it's not much. I haven't got much to say. I've just got to say Jesus died and rose again. Well, he's chosen to inhabit it with incredible transformative power. And secondly, in the next section, the last section of the passage, verses 7 to 18, he looks at the weakness of the messenger. Verse 7 sums up the heart of this chapter. But we have this treasure in jars of clay to show that the surpassing power belongs to God and not to us. Can we have the uh, video? This is where, we'll see if this works, see what happens. Um, <laughs> so here's a jar of clay kind of thing, uh, <laughs> close as I can get. And, uh, you know, this is, this is what we are. This is what I am. Not much, really. And in fact, really not much because quite easily, possibly, <laughs> there we are, uh, <laughs> quite easily, it can be broken. I don't know if, I don't know if you caught that, if that was too early, but um, <laughs> I forgot about the camera. It can be broken. We can be smashed up. And some of us might feel like that. We might feel pretty smashed up even as we come here this morning. We're just weak, fragile, breakable people. And we really feel very inadequate. Our lives feel smashed up. Maybe it's a comparison thing. Well, that person has a much better, stronger jar, stronger whatever vessel you want to say. They've got, they've got more. They can do more. They've got more abilities. And then there's me, and my life is just all over the place. And God said, God could never possibly use me. And we get paralysed by our own inadequacy. I, I feel that. I don't know if you feel that, but there are things I feel like God asked me to do, and I can't because I'm just. I just can't do it. I'm just not good enough. I just not, don't have that thing, that gift or whatever. 
And you know, Paul deliberately used a jar of clay image in this passage because they were the most, they were such a common vessel, common thing, commonplace thing in the Middle East at the time. Pretty much every household would have had one of these things. They were sold on the market everywhere. This was just a common thing. And they were cheap. And they were uh, pretty valueless, really, and, and just uh, weren't seen as much. Is that how you feel sometimes? Well, God has chosen to put his treasure in such a jar. He hasn't chosen metal jars that could be reused or whatever, which seems stronger. Or he hasn't chosen glass jars that could be melted down and put in, built into something else again. He has chosen fragile, weak, breakable clay jars like you and like me. And he has put his treasure inside us. The treasure of his gospel, coming from the context we just read, of the power of the gospel, but also the treasure of his spirit, which dwells in each of us. You see, the point is, as Paul says in verse 7, jars of clay to show that the surpassing power belongs to God. We're just jars. But as God does stuff, we realize there is incredible power in us. The power that raised Jesus from the dead is in you and is in me. And can change lives through you and through me. God doesn't just put up with clay jars. He has chosen clay jars. He doesn't just put up with you. You need to know that this morning. He doesn't just put up with you. He's chosen you. He's chosen you. And he says, I'm putting my treasure inside of you. I'm, I'm so invested in you as a person that I want to fill you with treasure so that you can impact and influence the communities around you, the nation and the nations. What an amazing thing. Treasure going all over the world and changing people's lives, changing whole communities. It's like Gideon. I feel like Gideon sometimes. God asked him to lead a mighty arm, a, a tiny army into a battle against the mighty Midianites. And his response is, please, Lord, how can I save Israel? I'm so inadequate. My clan is the weakest in Manasseh. I'm the least in my father's house. And the Lord said to him, but I will be with you. And so you say, Lord, I'm just the weak jar of clay. And how can I do this? And how can I do that? How can anyone really be impacted through my life? God says, but I will be with you. My treasure is inside of you. It's not about you. It's about the surpassing power that you carry around with you. You carry around surpassing power. And in verses 8 to 9, he just sort of unpacks that paradox, really, of the jars and uh, the, the, the wheat jars and the, the, the almighty power of God in examples from his life. So he says, we're afflicted. Jar of clay, but we're not crushed as the passing power of God. We're perplexed, jar of clay, but we're not despairing the surpassing power of God. We're persecuted, I'm a jar of clay, but I'm not forsaken the surpassing power of God. I'm struck down, I'm just a jar of clay, but I'm not destroyed because of the surpassing power of God. In other words, when we feel most like a jar of clay, when the world has thrown all that it can at us, when we should most lose heart, it doesn't change the truth that the God of surpassing power is with you and in you. It doesn't change it. Circumstances don't change that truth. Our God is bigger and stronger. And then if we don't get the point, in verses 10 and 11, he, he kind of goes even further and 
He basically, I'll just read those verses again, always carrying in the body the death of Jesus so that the life of Jesus may also be manifested in our bodies. For we who live are always being given over to death for Jesus' sake so that the life of Jesus may also be manifested in our flesh. In other words, he's saying, I'm not just speaking the gospel, but as I go around as a jar of clay, but so that the surpassing power of God being on display through that weakness, actually what I'm doing is I'm living the gospel. I'm living, I'm a walking demonstration of the gospel because I am weak, but God is strong. When I die, the life of God is much more clear. That's the gospel. Jesus, when Jesus died on the cross, it was his most strong point of his whole life. It was the point where life was given to people. It was the point where the power of God was most beautifully on display and he demonstrated it three days later by rising from the dead. The way to life is through death. The way to power is through weakness. That's the message of the gospel. And as we walk it out, as we live it out, not pretending we've got it all together, but realising we don't, and then being hungry and thirsty and desperate for the power of God in our lives, because I can't do it, I really am weak, but God is so strong, then we see the gospel displayed in our lives, not just speaking it. He was given over to death for Jesus' sake. So that the resurrected life and power of Jesus were more prominently at work in and through his life. You know, the more we're willing to sacrifice for the kingdom, the more we're willing to die to ourselves, the more we're willing to die to the good, to the good life, as it's often called, the more we will see the treasure of God's surpassing power at work in our lives. It's a jar of clay. He doesn't want, you know, actually if we're... Actually, go back, this, this is kind of beyond what Paul says in the image, but I think it can help. If, we're, if we think we've got it all together and we stay one piece, then actually there's no space, as it were, for the, for the, for the treasure of God's power to, to ooze out of us. But actually, as the jar's broken, it means that the treasure can get out all over the place. As we realize our weakness and our holes, and we just allow the Holy Spirit to come out. And so much so, um, last night at the Engaging the Prophetic Evening, which was a great time, uh, we had three prophetic words in a row, which basically preached my sermon in advance, which, given the fact I felt God speak to me about doing this today, was a confirmation. Um, uh, but one of them uh, that Anna shared was about jars of honey, and, and actually how honey can get all sort of hard. And um, the, the, the jar needs to be warmed up in the microwave. As it's warmed up in the microwave, it gets gooey. And it starts running out everywhere. In fact, too gooey for, 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 for not being messy at mealtime, but good for analogy for, for this purpose. Uh, so gooey that it goes everywhere. And so that's changing the image slightly from a jar of clay to a jar of honey. I think we can do that. And a jar of clay containing treasure, but also a jar of honey containing the sweetness of Jesus. The, uh, the flavour of Jesus. And some of us... Need to take, as was said again last night, need to taste and see the flavour of Jesus again because that's what we carry. And if we realise what we carry, then we'll realise the power and the sweetness that we have to offer to the world. And it will help us when we feel really weak and we're tempted to lose heart. Do not lose heart. The final reason why he says not to lose heart due to our weakness, so we've just looked at the power that God has in our weakness but also he goes on in the last few verses to talk about what is to come we feel weak but this is not the end there is resurrection hope verse 17 long chapter 
verse 17, for this light momentary affliction is preparing for us an eternal weight of glory beyond all comparison. As we look not to things that are seen, but to things that are unseen. How on earth can he call what he goes through as light and momentary affliction? Whipped, threatened with death, imprisoned, shipwrecked. That's light and momentary. It means nothing. Is he just trivializing suffering? Maybe some of us feel like our suffering seems pretty heavy at the moment. We feel very, very weak because of what life's thrown at us. Is Paul just trivializing what's going on in your life right now? He's not. He, he knows what suffering is. He understands. But the thing is, what he's doing, he's not trivializing, but he's changing the perspective. And he's looking at the suffering through eternal eyes. And he says, in comparison with the weight of the eternal glory that we're going to enjoy, this is just light and momentary. That is heavy. <laughs> the eternal glory is heavy. And this is light. It's on the On the scales, it is nothing. The heaviness of eternal glory, the lightness of our present affliction. Because he says, as we look, not to things that are seen, not to the current circumstances, the current hardships, but to the things that are unseen, the future glory that is going to be revealed in you. One day, we won't be a jar of clay anymore. We will be glorified. We will be like Jesus. It says we will will share in his glory. He's not a jar of clay anymore. His resurrection body. His earthly body was a jar of clay. His resurrection body seems to be able to get walk through walls, which is quite cool. Uh, but but, but it's, it's wonderful. It's still fully flesh and physical, but it's a beautiful, glorified body. And it doesn't have any weakness or frailties. or There's going to be no tears, no crying, no mourning, no weakness, no death. God will be all in all. It's going to be a wonderful, wonderful time. And that is where his sights are. And I encourage us as a church, if you feel like you're losing heart at the moment, set your sights, yes, on the power of God at work in your weakness now, but also in the glory that is going to be revealed in you one day when you see Jesus face to face. Some of us this morning have lost heart. Maybe it's losing confidence in the power of the gospel. And we think, there's not really a point sharing it anymore. I, just, I haven't even really been praying for opportunities to share the gospel. I haven't really been investing in relationships with unbelievers because pff, I'd have the arguments and I've seen so many disappointments. God wants to say this is a season. If we're believing it's a season of revival, it's a season where the gospel is going to bear much fruit. But we need to speak it. <laughs> gospel power, light shining in the darkness. It's going to come all over the place. That's what We've got to believe it. We've got to expect it. Let faith arise. Don't, don't lose heart. But also some of us have lost heart because of our own weakness, our own inadequacy, our own, our own suffering. We feel like this broken jar of clay. And I believe the Holy Spirit wants to minister to you this morning and say, he wants to, you already have his treasure, but he wants to remind you of the treasure and wants to sort of refill you with that treasure that he is. That faith would arise, that there would be this urgency to get the message out there. One other word that was shared last night was a passage in Song of Solomon, chapter 2, verses 10 to 13. I really felt this was the place God wanted us to end this morning. But if the band could also come up, that would be good. My beloved speaks and says to me, Okay, this is 
first and foremost a husband and wife relationship, but it's also a picture prophetically of Jesus in the church. My beloved, that's Jesus, speaks and says to me, this is to you. I'll say that again. My beloved speaks, Jesus speaks and says to you, arise, my love, my beautiful one, and come away. For behold, the winter is past. The rain is over and gone. The season for losing heart is over. The winter's gone. The flowers appear on the earth. The time of singing has come. And the voice of the turtle dove is heard in our land. The fig tree ripens its figs and the vines are in blossom. They give forth fragrance. Arise, my love, my beautiful one, and come away. God is saying the winter has passed. Your season of losing heart is over. The time of singing, the time of faith, the time of expectation in the power of God and in his gospel in and through you is here. This is the season. Spring has come. Winter has gone. But the starting point, note the starting point, arise, my love, my beautiful one, and come away. Come away with me, says Jesus. Come away with me. Allow me to fill you with the knowledge of the gospel of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ again. Allow me to fill you with the treasure of my spirit. Allow me to open the eyes of your heart again. Come away with me. That's always the starting point. (laughs) Not try harder. God isn't saying, come on, stop losing heart. Stop being so stupid. He's saying, come away with me. See things with my eyes. The winter has gone. The spring has come. Let faith arise. Holy Spirit, let faith arise. Maybe some of us could just, if we could just stand, all of us, if we're able to stand as a kind of symbolic thing, responsive for God. Lord, let faith arise. Where you are right now, just call out to God and ask for faith and expectation and passion to come in the place of losing heart. Maybe there are particular situations in your life that have caused you to lose heart in the gospel or even in your own adequacy as a believer, as someone who God could use, and ask God to, to inject faith into that, into that context now by his Spirit. Let faith arise, Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit, come right now. Come now, we pray. Come, Holy Spirit. Come, Holy Spirit. Come, Holy Spirit. Just cry out to God. I believe this is the time for crying out to God. It's not a time for staying silent. God, cry out from the depths. There are some people here today who have lost heart for years. And it's like you've been taken out of the, of, of the, of, of the race, really. You've been taken out because you've lost heart. And God would say, this is the day for restoration. This is the day where your winter is over. This is the spring day. This is the spring day. This is the spring day. Let faith arise in the name of Jesus. All across this place, we say, let faith arise in the name of Jesus. We call out to you, Lord. We call out to you, Lord. We call out to you, Lord. Please, send revival, but start with me. Start with me, Lord. Revive my heart, Lord. Revive my heart. Give me the attitude of Paul. Lord Jesus. Lord Jesus. Lord Jesus, 
We're just going to sing, but if you want to respond by coming forwards as we sing, feel free to come to the, my right, just avoid the camera, uh, and there'll be a ministry team there to pray for you. We're just going to sing a song or so as we, as we just respond to God. Call out to God where you are, but if you want to come forwards, please do.